What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another Whiskey Web and Whatnot with myself, Robbie the Wagner, and my co-host, as always, Charles William Carpenter III. My friends call me Hasselhoff. <laughs> All right, Hasselhoff. Our uh, guest today is almost related to you. We have Kate Holterhoff with us today. How's it going, Kate? It's going well, thanks. I appreciate the invitation. I'm a, a long-time yeah. listener, first-time, what, participant? Yeah, there you yes. go. Yes. Yeah, we're glad to have Subject, you. Subject, victim. <laughs> All of those things, prepare mm. yourself. Yeah. For uh, people who are listening who may not have heard of you, can you give us a few sentences about who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. So I am an analyst with a company called Red Monk, and uh, we're developer-focused, uh, so we focus a lot on the practitioner. We talk to a lot of developers about what they see. We follow trends in the industry. And we're all generalists, but I tend to follow certifications as well as front-end engineering, that entire space, because uh, before I became an analyst, I was a front-end engineer myself, as well as a an academic for 10 years. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. You kind of reversed that old saying of like, and not to mean this as a detriment to you by any means or your career, but like, sure. you know, those who don't, who can't do teach. Oh, yeah. Have you ever heard yeah. that? And you kind of, I you kind of flipped the script on that. No, like, I know. I can it, do and teach. It, the mockery is just continuous. I yeah, it was funny when I the way the way that I transitioned from being an academic uh, to to front end engineering was that I took an internship. Uh, so I yeah, I, and so they you know I was doctor intern because I had you know I have a PhD uh, in literary and cultural studies, which I meant that I taught a lot of communication courses and. Uh, but I, I was also really focused on design and spent some time doing like public art when I was living in Cincinnati and yeah, so I painted a lot of murals. So anyway, so all of that, like the, that aspect of, of the internet and the web was uh, always interesting to me. So it felt very natural to, you know, uh, I guess take my interest in, um, digital humanities as a discipline and, and kind of transition that to actually creating websites, which I did for a couple of years before. I heard the siren call of analyst work and uh, and then left it all behind. So now I just nice. Barely now that you've mentioned my... uh, Cincinnati, Chuck is going to want to know, do you like Skyline or what's the other one? Chuck? Gold Star. We had this talk in person, though, at Render. <laughs> oh, did you? Yes. Yes. This is like sure. the impetus of, of all of that. So, yeah, we, we went to I'm we can revisit it later for anyone curious, but we'll probably get some whiskey in us first because mm -hmm. it seems like a good mm -hmm. idea. Uh, today, we're having the Hirsch Horizon Bourbon. It is 92 proof. Um, it is sourced whiskey from Lawrenceburg, so MGP has a big uh, distillery there, and a, a lot of um, small batch producers or micro distilleries will source some of their things or and do some finishing and whatever else. So this is a blend of two different ones they came up with. 95% of the blend is a four-year, nine-month-aged that has 75% corn, 21% rye, and 4% malted barley. The second one, which is only a 5%, which there's additional cost to that. So that one uh, was is a six-year, two-month age with the same exact mash bill. So they're just mostly mm -hmm. blending just two different ages of this same one and see how it, it affects things. So I don't know. We'll see. Interesting. I've never had this uh, distiller before. I have a long time ago. So I haven't had like any of their new stuff. It's been a while. Hmm. So it's like, oh, that'll be an it interesting smells like one. juicy fruit to me. Juicy fruit. Hold on, I have to get the sound effects. Because I'm, I'm a burgeoning Foley artist. 
talk about this from time to time. <laughs> I just I'm also looking at career pivots and uh, mm. you know voice actor uh, is one that I find interesting and foley artist. Yeah, I want to be in like foley artist. Oh, it's they make the sound effects for movies, so a lot of that uh, stuff gets added later in post production. And yeah. there's a whole discipline where they do different things to like you know somebody's walking in the snow they don't yeah. capture that in on set they'll add those effects in later just you know the challenges with directional mics and all that so yeah foley artist hmm. someone who comes up with the clever sounds you hear in, in movies learn something new every day mm. i too am a scholar mm -hmm. of bullshit knowledge Ooh. okay i see where this juicy fruit comes from a little bit does have that whole like whatever flavor that was supposed to be was not yeah. fruity at all like it was no like, real fruit but like some kind of sweetness yellow yeah. gum flavor and sugar <laughs> remember those fruit stripes gums they would last like they would have stripes they would like crazy intense oh, yeah. flavor and then they were so good zebra gum yeah except for it only lasted like four and a half seconds yep you know what that's, that's like see what universal this like. kids gum yeah yep. uh, uh what was it um Bigly Chew, that was another big one mm. around that time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Encouraging kids to chew tobacco in later lives. You've already started right. it with this gum. Make a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. They taste about Target the same. Audience. Mm. Uh, I think it was just that era of the 90s when the Sandlot was so big. Mm. Just everything was baseball themed. Right. I can't get this, that smell out of my mind now. So I'm going to have to taste it. It tastes like a little bit of ginger or, I don't know, like some General Tso's chicken or something. Hmm. Okay. I mean, I could see I like know. a pickle, just, just something like a light vinegary pickle flavor, a little bit of, I get some woodiness, a little bit of like, okay. I don't know if you've ever done this in a cocktail where you like take a flame to the, to the orange peel or whatever peel it is to draw some of the oils out. And then you end up with like a little bit of a flame, a little bit of a citrus flavor in your drink. Anyway, that I'm getting some of that. We make all these things up. Don't, you know, there can be an analyst article about <laughs> developers making up mm -hmm. flavor profiles. That's us. It's just about us. Hmm. Well, I put a little water in mine to try to space mm. it out a little bit. I'm having a hard time. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I always say that uh, the water is really great to give you basically two different tastes. You can like have your initial taste right out of, out of the bottle, kind of whatever comes there. You get a few drops of water, put some oxygen in there, and then it opens it up to something completely different, which is a nice thing. I keep saying I, I should bring some of that to the office to give myself that opportunity, but alas, here we are. Hydration. Plus a, yeah. Well, I have that a big hydration thing, or, oh, yeah. or I'm waiting on my sponsorship from Diet Coke because oh, I drank right. like two or three of these a day, and that will give it a very cola flavor. Have that, then drink one. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, what What do I want to go? Zero calories destroys all microbiomes, maybe. I just, there I go, I ruined my sponsorship. Mm -hmm. So, as part of the whiskey portion, as an avid listener, you probably understand, oh, but for the other listener who may be tuning in now and may have forgotten. I like how you say singular. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, the scale is zero to eight <laughs> tentacles, um, zero because we're engineers and index-based, um, and sure. eight obviously being amazing. So, that zero or one, whatever you like, this is horrible. Since you continue to drink it, I'm going to assume it's not one it's of not those. Horrible. But yeah, not horrible. four being, it's fine, it's good, it's all right, you know, I can I can live with this. Eight, this is amazing, This is I'm clearing the shelves. Mm -hmm. um, and 
you know, everything in between there. Right. Yeah. I give it a six. Yeah, you really, you you were like zoned like right it. into that. Yeah, you like it? You can go I there like again? It. Yeah, that's good. Okay. I'd go here again. Yeah, that's fair. I'm uh, I'm really warming up to it personally, too. I wasn't sure that f- that smell threw me off. And then the first taste was a little like, I don't know. But as I've taken like a, a couple of more tastes, I think I'm going to put it around a five. I think this is very approachable and might make some very interesting cocktails, too, because of some of those flavors, like some of that sweetness, high corn like that, but not like corny flavor. It, it has to be aged long enough. And four years had me worried, but I think the six year kind of got them over over the line and gave it uh, some good flavor there. So I'm going to, I'm going to say five. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm going to say four. It's not really impressing me a ton, but I don't dislike it. So we'll say middle of the road. Yeah. That, that tracks for you. You tend to be like high corn, high, I'm out of here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's still better than scotch, but Hmm. uh, so are lots of things. There goes our travel Scotland sponsorship. You might remember that, we like to talk about different hot takes now at a different part of the show. And I was trying to think about like what would be some good hot takes, but applicable to like your relationship with engineering. And, you know, I'm sure I hope you don't waste as much time as we do following some of like the bullcrap tech Twitter stuff down like w- milk or non milk or what do we do? Is milk racist now? I don't know. There's a lot of like crazy directions things go. And uh, so I don't know. We'll see. Um, but mentioning that I'm curious, like, have you noticed some of those things like tech Twitter folks? What do you just think in general about that being a place for engineers to go and debate spicy technology disagreements? You mean X, of course. Yeah. I'm not calling it that. I'm not. I mean, it seems like one step away from Pornhub and I just, you know, I don't, I'm not trying to associate that's a you know secret life. Well, I'd say all of us at Red Monk are really on the fence about you know, where to go with our uh, social media, I guess, following, like where we're, where we're trying to look for news or we're trying to follow trends. But it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, uh, X slash tw- Twitter is, uh, does still seem to be a default. I had a lot of issues with Mastodon just in terms of like, I had to unsubscribe from folks who just kept posting. I know I'm not alone with that frustration. Um, but I'd say in terms of like following trends in the industry. I am doing a lot of LinkedIn lately. It's a, I know it's embarrassing, but you know, everybody, if you go to LinkedIn, you know what you're getting yourself into. You don't feel stupid if you're like talking about something that you're excited about in terms of the tech space. People are like, oh, maybe she's talking, well, you know, other folks are maybe selling things. That's where they go to sell things. Like it makes sense. You know, it's okay to talk about your job, things that you're excited about. And I am on blue sky, but I got a little put off by the porn. So back to the porn. It just was a lot of naked people. And I was like, this is not, I don't know if they've tamped that down lately, uh, but I kept getting logged out of it too. That's probably, you know, they were like mm. updating things. And then, so I actually am not even logged onto it on my phone, which means I haven't checked on it lately. But uh, last time I went on my desktop, there wasn't porn. So maybe the porn situation has died down. <laughs> I don't know. But so with, with Mastodon and, and Blue Sky, all these things are like they, I don't know, I'm pretty uneducated, but like they do like the decentralized yep. thing or whatever. Where So like, if that's the thing, how do they moderate any porn? <laughs> like if they have I, no control. They probably but nobody's interested out. in posting porn on the Mastodon instances that I, hmm. you know, follow. Okay. So that hasn't seemed to be an issue. I don't know. That's my lived experience. But yeah. uh, Only things that Jack welcoming. Dorsey starts. Yeah. It yeah. is. It's a very curated community, but it's not interconnected very well, right? How many yeah. Mastodon, Mastodon servers do you need to log into? It just started to feel a little too much like D 
Discord. You know, I mean, like mm-hmm. 50 Discord servers, too. And the interface is hard to, you know, I mean, you, you're, you're getting a lot of real time things. But that, after that, you're just like, I don't know, I just can't keep track. Yeah. It's an interesting yeah, no, thing. It's problematic. Yeah. I think For that sure. people get frustrated with the new because the well, they're trying to leave the old, but the old still works well enough to get them what they need. So, mm-hmm. you know, unless there's yeah. like en masse. And the thing is, yeah. is that you're getting so much more like public discourse around things too at times. And if it's too much of a small community just echoing the same sentiments, then what's the value, I guess? You can go right. to LinkedIn for right. some of that. LinkedIn is nice if you want to feel good, I guess, to a degree yeah. or get sold to a bunch. It's just right. the problem is that to a degree it starts to feel disingenuous to me. So, yeah. For sure. You know. But I think it depends on what you're going on there for. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sitting – I'm not <laughs> – I was talking to somebody about this who's really good at Twitter. I won't name names, uh, <laughs> but I would even call him an influencer. He was explaining to me how much he loves riffing. And I was like, what even? I was like, I think I'm pretty good at riffing. Like, I go out for beers with folks. I'm, you know, I'm keeping ahead of the conversation here. I like to riff, but I, mm-hmm. I think I don't riff so well online. Um, he's like, yeah, you just gotta, you gotta reply to people. I was like, I don't, I don't know. I just don't do it. So I think that's the problem is like <laughs> online riffing is just not my jam. Yeah. I don't know. I can riff on a podcast, maybe. I don't know. We'll, f- we'll see here. Yeah. yeah. Gonna, so I think it's know. the whole riff, the discourse of riff. Hmm. It's all about timing, I think, is the problem, too. So if you riff ah. soon enough, right, yeah. and then you start to get a little back and forth, and you're like, oh, that was a good interaction. And then you try mm-hmm. to do it five or six more times, but you're a little too late, you know, because yeah. you're seeing things in just a strange order of yeah. events. And then you get in there, and you're like, well, too late. Nobody cared. It was 100 right. responses already. Which is why I think it has me coming back because I'm trying to catch the riff early. I want to catch uh-huh. the good wave early on. Otherwise, yeah, you know. Yeah, Which I always had that problem on to... Reddit where it was like, you know, anything on the front page that I would be, unless you're there all the time or like yeah. go to new or something, it's like everyone's already, you know, these, you know, thousands of comments. You're like, well, I'm not even going to bother. What's the point? You know? Yeah, yeah. Reddit's more of an archive for me. I want to see what people yeah. have talked about and what conclusion they came to. So I like okay. if I if I go and start searching. Um, Bing, you know, if I Bing search things, because everybody uses Bing now, right? Or something. Yeah. No? Oh, okay. definitely. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Uh, I will like, you know, scope it to that site. And then I want to get like, what's some real world feedback about yeah. what happens? But yeah, I find it also hard to, to have any discourse there because, again, if you're not early and I don't have time for all of these places. Yeah. So what are your places then? I don't even know that I have places, but I think that... You mentioned Discord. TikTok? Are you on Discord then? I'm on Discord for okay. tech communities. So basically right. once Slack decided they were going to charge everyone, all open source communities yeah. moved to Discord because it was free and close enough, but it mm-hmm. sucks. In my experience, <laughs> it is terrible. It's it's okay. I it's, don't like it. I hate it. it. Yeah, I can't put my finger on what I don't like is the problem because like... Discord has on paper kind of the same functionality as Slack, but I just don't feel good using it. Yeah, the so it's like face works. It, it just kills my motivation to like talk to anyone. Yeah, I just feel like the interface is is more confusing, and uh, their search function has just never been good enough. It took them forever to actually get threading too, which made conversations that much more difficult. I don't know. I mean, it was developed with gamers in mind, and then has become adopted. For, from the open source community, but I still just think it's like not quite getting it. So I don't think that it's probably just Twitter X or whatever is is 
the most I do right now. And most of the impetus of that is, is this podcast because I had uh, rage quit social media, I don't know, six, seven years ago. Oh, yes. I lost my first adopter like Twitter handle and Instagram and like all these things. And I had quit everything across the board. And then I had to like kind of passively activate my Facebook account. And that was in order to use the Oculus because they forced you for a little while. And so games and then Twitter's basically I was back on LinkedIn for a while. I've actually hibernated that even too, because it's just too much. People are trying to sell to me constantly or I don't know. It just feels I have a problem acting fake and not to say that other people like it. I don't know, but I just, again, I can kind of, you know, you can say a lot of like edgy things on Twitter and it's nowhere near as edgy as most of the other people. So it's kind of still okay. And you feel like I can be myself and, and there's not a lot of blowback on that. I don't know. So I guess Twitter, that's my half-assed <laughs> answer. And only because of this podcast though. Right, right. You yeah. know, getting in contact with guests, it's a nice place to do that. It seems to be more centralized and people are responsive there. So Yeah. Yeah. That's things true. are just too hard these <laughs> days. Like like Instagram used to be I'm just gonna post pictures, right? And now you have to have like reels and stories yeah. and like fifty different ways to post the same pictures and videos instead of just doing a normal post, like just give me my posts back. I don't, yeah. don't want to do all this work. No, I liked it when it was more of an artist community. And I was very into photography for a long time. So it was really about like, I mostly didn't follow people I knew. I was following photographers that were people who just took photos that I liked. And then sharing kind of the same thing. I wasn't like sharing my life or my day or whatever. But mm-hmm. at a certain Your meals. point. Yeah, my meals. Although mm-hmm. f- food porn is allowable, I think. There's, oh, absolutely. You know, something to that. but People like that. Yeah, yeah. Give the people what they want. They want to know where I'm eating. Where you're uh, and brunch. And, and what it is. Yeah, brunch. I lived in D.C. for quite some time, so brunch culture was very serious there. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it's the to me. bottomless. Okay. They used to do bottomless cocktails at certain places, and then if you really wanted to push it, there were places that did like bottomless tapa, like breakfast tapas. Breakfast tapas fun. aren't a thing. I, you know, you all of, you made that up just like, then, actually. Unlimited uh, eggs. Basically, or things <laughs> made to also have eggs and whatever else. Or even what's brunch? So you get like a little of lunch, breakfast, both things, but you can get, you know, they bring you one breakfast taco and one handful of fries and you can just keep ordering it and they'll bring it at whatever cadence they feel like. But as long as they keep filling up your bloody or mimosa or yeah, whatever mimosa. else, then you're fine with it. Huh. That's true. Mm. Okay. Well, should we circle back to some technology at all or should we just <laughs> keep down keep talking I mean, about I twitter ad nauseum yeah i do think it's worth noting as uh you know a native sense of notion uh you know that there is a, a very famous up. i did i did no. <laughs> but i this isn't the first time i've made it up though i continue <laughs> I, I made it up many years ago and so now it's a thing uh getta is the the mm-hmm. uh meat the breakfast usually breakfast uh sort of sausage that is you know native to to our homeland. It's funny. Every once in a while, I'll, I'll see people eating it. Like I, I was up in Maine and someone had like stockpiled get in their freezer. And that's how wow. we discovered that. They, yeah, he was from northern Kentucky. So it was it was remarkable. But yeah, so there's, you know, I, I feel like it's you know worth noting that breakfast can also be, you know, regional. That's true. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a mix of it's kind of like Scrapple in a way, but it has oats yeah. in it. Gets people get it crunchy. I discovered mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Uh, there's a place that makes a getta lettuce tomato sandwich instead of bacon. It's getta. I really need and to go have that. And this is in Cincinnati. 
It's in northern Kentucky. It's called the Anchor ah, Grill in Covington, Kentucky. Oh, sure. Shout I've been out. There. Yes. Yeah. I've I'm been familiar. there a ton. I didn't know they had this. Oh, it was very... Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, f- fun fact. I know. It's funny. I gave up re- eating red meat when I was 13. Mm. So, yeah. But it was, it's funny because my, my mother was always like, well, that means you can eat pork because we mm-hmm. live in Porkopolis and the pigs can fly. Yep. I was like, that is not quite how that works, mom. But... No. Uh, you know, because uh, I, 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 I drew the line on mammals, and I was trying to explain uh, to her that, you know. Yeah, not, I see. Not quite, but. Yeah. No, but I'm it, on your mom's side here. I mean, it's yeah. the other white. Oh, no. It's in the slogan. <laughs> so. It's in the slogan. Yeah, so. Okay. Anyways, technology, we're back. Yeah, let's come come back to tech. Well, are you over my hot takes, Robbie? Is that what you're saying? Yes. You want, I'm going to let um, you pick where you want to go with this. Then. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Yes. Yeah, I, these hot takes didn't really make sense. I didn't know if you pulled them from something, but we're going to skip them. I did, but so it one thing I, I put all I, this work in. That's fine. Well, you can come back to them if you want to, if you want. But fair. Um, Prepped so one of the in. things I wanted to mention from some of your posts, uh, you had some about like framework wars and spas and, and things like that. Do we think that spas are dead now? Is the framework wars over? Like, what what's the next uh, next chapter? Well, I've been very interested in following it. I I wouldn't say that anybody has come down on the answer yet. But I would, what I would say, when I decided to become a front-end engineer, I got some advice that instead of learning JavaScript, I should just learn React. And in retrospect, I was like, how does that even work? But I've heard, I've heard this advice before, I've, like other places, like on podcasts and stuff. So apparently my own mentor wasn't the only one that was just like, just skip it, jump into React. That's what you need to do. And so I would say from the folks that I've spoken with, React isn't going anywhere. So if, if what you're worried about is a job, React's a great place to go. When I was looking for jobs, I remember talking to some folks who were looking for Angular developers. So frameworks aren't going anywhere, spas aren't going anywhere. I met some Vue folks uh, recently who were talking up, I had questions about signals. I was like, what's the deal with signals? I got to hear the, the Vue perspective on signals. But anyways, so I, but, but what I've written about was that, yeah, there, there's obviously, if you're, if you're following what I guess the, the the most exciting technology innovations are that are in the front end space. The debate over what to do with all the JavaScript that we're porting in is number one. And so I think that comes down to this like pendulum swing that we're seeing between DevX and UX, right? Where the user experience for the the folks who are on their mobile devices that maybe aren't able to, that are a little older and having a hard time kind of loading these huge uh, frameworks onto their, their iPhone or whatever, you know, the, their mobile devices, that they're the ones who are suffering by our addiction to these spas. And so I, I think that it behooves us to start to move to a more HTML first approach, whether that's through islands or you know whatever sort of ways that we're gonna go about it. So I, I think that there's a number of ways to answer that question. And I, I, I think a lot of it will depend on like, were the frameworks a zero interest rate phenomena, right? Are we, are we moving into this uh, you know, new scenario where we need to be a little bit more conservative with the amount of JavaScript that we're, we're sending? Or are we you know, going to continue to say, well, I can't train up folks on you know, the newest, uh, you know, on Quick or whatever, on the newest frameworks that aren't completely beholden to, to these you know, heavy JavaScript frameworks. So I think it's going to come down on that. But yeah, I don't have a crystal ball. I'm not going to be able to, to answer that question. But I, I am following it. I like to, I think that there's a lot of really interesting uh, folks who have very strong opinions about it that I like to follow on Twitter uh, and, see, and see what they think on it. So so I'd say I'm more just in the crowd, just eating popcorn, just enjoying it, just 
seeing where the war's going. Uh, you know, I, I did think I was pretty clever for coming up with Spa Wars. You know, a lot of people were, were talking about it. So, you know, I, I'll pat myself on my back for that one. Nice. But uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a, like the latest incarnation of like, what was the browser wars at, at one point to a degree? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think you're dialed in in the whole sense that, like, the only right answer is it depends, first of all, anyway, right? Like, what are your people resources? What is the knowledge skills gap or or how, what already exists? What are you trying to accomplish? You know, if you're starting today, you might make different choices. But if you're not, obviously, you're you're beholden to the choices you were made before. And then what do you get from shifting from those choices? It, it's funny because what you were told is essentially things I was told forever ago, except for instead of React, it was jQuery. It was like, yeah, you can learn some of these things, but if you're just trying to animate a button or whatever, or, or make something pop up once you do this other thing, then jQuery will get you there and, you know, let's just get it done, get it done. But you do get painted into a corner around that. Yeah, like to some degree, React probably never going away, but also the next time you're looking for a job, you have to only continue down that same path unless you take some personal initiative. And also you don't, you probably just don't fully understand the, not you personally, but just like if that's the path you started on, you know, this is a way to accomplish something. But if you come down and have an issue there and you start digging into it in the framework, you don't understand what's happening there potentially, because right, it's all written in JavaScript. You've got this sugar on top what is happening over here that's causing my issue, I'm gonna have limiters there too. And the new it's ironic that the new shiny has become the original thing anyway, right? Like <laughs> actually HTML is is the new shiny because it, it was always there. It wasn't you right, know, that's right, how right. it all started anyway. Oh yeah. I know and, and extend that to like React server components. PHP. What? <laughs> right, exactly. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know? And it's all like I think there's a middle ground of like you know, people all say, you know, learn React because you want to get a job, which I still would agree with in this current climate is like the best thing to learn is React for a job. However, you don't have to write everything in React. You could have a separate CSS file. You could have your HTML be like correct semantic markup and not all divs. You don't have to make everything reactive. Some things can be static and then you can sprinkle React in where you need it. And people don't do that. They just wrap everything in a component. I think they, they lost sight of what it was originally intended for, which was to take a normal site that was HTML and add in some cool reactive stuff to it. But now we just render everything with it. So, Well, you know, it, it works for Facebook, right? I mean, that's the, if the original intent mm -hmm. was to like support this massive you know, project, then I guess you know, it's, it's succeeding. Yeah, um, success but yeah, for sure. Success, success achieved. But yeah, for, for a little dinky um, e-commerce site or something, not sure that that's what you what you're looking for might, might want to keep keep your options open right yeah is facebook still cool though like i think people liked react because facebook was cool mm -hmm. and then now like ooh, maybe it's not anymore just gonna go on the record here and say that robbie's got the hottest take of them all mm -hmm. react <laughs> yeah. is cool because it came out when facebook was cool i mean react was cool just because it made like this really hard thing we were trying to start to move from like client rendered applications because they, they didn't invent that that was happening before with a, a few other i can't even remember them all like knockout js was one we backbone. used backbone at uh national geographic and you know there was a, a handful of others trying to do sort of a similar thing saying all of like the complex back-end server side uh, uh logic can also kind of be front end to the client as well 
And, you know, let's keep trying to evolve that. And React came out and said, let's just make it this little sliver of things, which is kind of fun. And so that made it super cool that you could like do some of these things without like full page refreshes and and also have it be like, yeah, I think I wrote like the first component in React and pushed it to production in like three hours. And so that was kind of fun. And I was like, oh, this is super cool. But it's the whole thing where like I'm walking around with a hammer and not everything's a hammer problem, though. Mm-hmm. A hammer problem? A.K.A. Yeah. a nail. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, we call them hammer problems now. <laughs> yeah, we, we like, yeah, that's our thing. <laughs> hammer problems are nails. And But if you need a screwdriver, yeah, you bring in a hammer. You get a, a box of hammer problems. <laughs> hammer problem. <laughs> right. So anyway, you know, there's that whole aspect. And now we're whatever, 10 years down the line, just about. And maybe we should rethink this. Well, yeah. who knows? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone argues that it made the developer experience fantastic. But... I mean, I think that's, you know, what's interesting. It's like, do we want the developer's experience to be awesome at the expense of the user and or the environment? I think that that's another, you know, component of this when we're, you know, if we, <laughs> we have these massive things that we're exporting. I mean, that can't be great. That, that's what always comes up when I think about AI. Everyone's got a chat bot now. I'm like, really? Do we mm. really need to bulldoze a, another rainforest <laughs> so that we can have a yep. chat bot? Yeah, <laughs> right. <sighs> And uh, all these new startups like leveraged on all these other technologies that may or may go, you know, it's like the next blockchain, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I'm hoping it's a little better than that, but uh, yeah. Yeah. It's more useful than NFTs. Yeah. Yeah. I think all of my (laughs) NFTs are like below zero at this point for sure. Oh, you have a few NFTs. Exciting. Mm-hmm. Recur just shut down. You talked yeah. me into that one. Oh yeah, I did because I my <laughs> friend who bought a Tesla with one of his NFT sales convinced wow. me that was going to be a thing. So yeah. I, you know, you can see where you're like, well, maybe For you know, sure. I'll make this and yeah. then out. Didn't you know? He uh, he still has one of those bored apes, which I don't think are even worth anything anymore either. But oh my god, well, they're still yeah. worth the most, but uh, not like they were. Yeah, like. $100,000 and now somebody wow. gave them $500 or something. I don't know. I did don't one for charity. My, NFT. My, yeah. well, now you do. I do. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> I'll gladly transfer it to you if I could afford the <laughs> gas to get it to you. <laughs> you know, turns out not even that anymore. Yeah. So the disclaimer is never listen to Robbie or me for any investment advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know you're supposed to, the Andreessen Horowitz uh, podcast, you're supposed to start by saying that, right? <laughs> right, yes. <laughs> yeah. or like, well, we uh, didn't start with any uh, investment advice, no. but yeah. Now that we've talked about some. Yeah, yeah we still have a ton say. of uh, Shiba Inu. I have like 600 million coins or something. And mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah the offshoot Oops. of Doge. Yeah. Somehow that was going to work out. I mean, yeah. to a degree, I can understand the potential and utility around it arbitrary jpegs aside there's something there but i think that needs to get refined quite a bit over time and then assigning value to to marks in the chain is probably not super great yeah so validation tool rather than a a assignment of value or investment vehicle in some way but then again you know stocks kind of are made up too right yeah, I mean, I think Web3, uh, yeah, definitely money right out. So a lot of the other research I've been doing has been on certifications. And it was interesting to me that I learned that some of these accrediting bodies for certification programs, they actually use a blockchain in order to ensure that when you put your little badge onto your LinkedIn account, 
um, saying that, you know, you were certified and whatever for the next three years, that the blockchain is actually what's going to ensure that you didn't steal this badge. You know, you get your special number and everybody's, uh, you know, on the same page that you didn't just pirate this image and upload it or whatever. So I think there's probably a lot of great utility that's going on behind the scenes that's kind of like in the third paragraph of the description where you're like, oh, okay, well, blockchain, I guess, is doing other things. So hopefully that's where the discussion will go in the future. Like, oh, okay, it can work pretty well, I guess. But yeah, I think we're still uh, in the um, crypto bros uh, era, and I yeah. don't know when that's going to... when that's gonna. Well, the gold rush is kind of over. So yeah. I think like now you're starting to see the more utility come out and that's mm-hmm. that's going to be like, you know, nickels and dimes and building its way up. It's not going to be, you know, hugely monetarily beneficial overnight. So like yeah. it's going to take a while to get the same excitement back of people being like, "Oh yeah, this is cool again." But Right. I think it'll get there. It does have a lot of uses that are are really great. Yeah. Yeah, I think the one that you cited is like excellent. That's a thing. Yeah, and I know you wrote some, some articles around certifications, which I, I have oh, said in some ways I think would be really beneficial to our industry because Ooh. there's no yeah. I mean, so we've talked a bunch of here about hiring and issues around that, and you know, a strange marketplace for demand, the crazy arbitrary hiring practices, right? Like a surgeon doesn't go in and do a practice part surgery right because well the implications could be pretty bad if they don't do so well but then like conversely right they have certifications and and all of this behind them that proves and then a reputation and some recommendations like why couldn't something like that work in our industry as well it's skilled professionals right maybe something where like there's a whole internship and mastery levels and you get blockchain certified levels of of accomplishment and then that's all you have to be i have to be me i show that i did these things these are what you're asking for great let's agree that we can do this work together i think that would be straightforward trustworthy and efficient rather than what we do now which is bill on the team came up with this code challenge that he feels is a strong indicator of someone he'd like to work with but like that kind of thing, or here's um, entire businesses built on like uh, leak code problems and go practice those. And they're going to pick, you know, five of the 35 that you worked on. Hopefully you did good at them. And, and then you go and you have to just make a button bigger or, you know, sort through an array or something like that. Pretty much 90% of the time you use none of what you do in these times. And so why can't we get better with that? I mean, like, certifications that something we could ever approach as an industry well i could talk about certifications all day i don't know if you want me to really go down that rabbit hole but what i will say is i think technology certifications and developer certifications in particular are so fascinating to me not only because i came out of higher education where it's like there are accrediting bodies right you know people come out and make sure that your university is actually doing what it says it's going to do that if you get a degree in cs that it actually means that you studied this you know curriculum that everybody agrees is going to you know that it shows that you can you know walk into a, a job that is you know a junior developer position and and do the job right that you you actually are qualified but as many of us know uh, folks with CS degrees, um, information science degrees, they actually have to then upskill themselves after they get that degree in the languages that are actually being used in the industry. Uh, so, I mean, I know, uh, for example, I, I, I was talking to a director of engineering who had to teach himself Ruby on Rails the minute that he got out of his uh, program 
in the, the, the 2010s because there were no jobs for, for the, the sort of languages that he was learning. And, and also he didn't want to work at those jobs. You know, he wanted to kind of work at places that were, uh, you know, rail shops. So I, I think that that's kind of an interesting part of the conundrum that the bodies that we would look to to make sure that these uh, positions are actually being, you know, shifted so that you have to train up yourself or you can trust a vendor or a vendor neutral organization to certify you. And if you do, hiring managers typically don't care. They're, they're not interested in certifications. You know, if you go on Hacker News, the most well-regarded one tends to be like the AWS certifications. Even then, do you really want to pay out of pocket for a certification? Usually you want your employer to pay for it. So that's usually the path to certification. And so I do, I do find it a little problematic when folks are using certifications as like uh, an, uh, a jumping off point to getting into the career, um, especially folks uh, who like did a boot camp or something and they can't find a job and they're like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to get certified in, you know, whatever products certification thing and I'm going to pay $150 to do it. And then there's all these study guides that actually cost extra and, you know, it, it, it's not cheap to become certified. So I, I do think it's problematic, but then at the end of the day, these vendor certifications are not accredited, right? It's like the fox guard in the hen house, you know? There's a lot of motives for companies to have these certification programs as well that aren't necessarily for the good of the person taking that exam, right? It's not necessarily that they're like, okay, we're going to benefit humanity by making sure that everybody can get a job, that everybody knows these skills. It's usually like, we want to make sure that you understand our technology so that when you get this job or, or at your particular place where you're employed already, um, that they're going to, you know, use this, this particular managed service or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. I, I can see is. where there's a massive yeah. gap there in, in all kinds of things, like the institutions who are training like through a traditional university or, or whatnot their programs are dated possibly and i'm sure there's a lot of bureaucracy to sort of integrate new curriculum so then conversely you have something like the amazon which has you know they're selling certifications essentially to get folks kind of locked into their ecosystem right so they're incentivized in other ways anyway and so if you're not on aws why would you trust their certification to work within another infrastructure. And then also lots of that is infrastructure anyway. You can become mm -hmm. an AWS certified developer, but again, everything is kind of skewed towards their system. Yeah. I don't know. Like and none of it guarantees you a job. But none anyway. of it guarantees. Oh, well, in a boot camp certainly doesn't. And there's no like slight against those that decide to take that accelerated path. I think it can work. I think it's a challenging thing to take into play. I just think that you have to have a certain passion and dedication and just a particular aptitude to work well in that environment i think it's just neat it can be very niche right like there should, there's a whole bunch of different ways you can learn this industry and that one can work but it doesn't mean it will and they're incentivized to be like we'll get you hired some of them are like we'll get you hired or you don't pay us so of course they're going to teach you just react just for these hiring managers they know or whatever relationship sales relationship they have Right. And then that's the career they're going to get you. So it doesn't kind of give you anything out in the marketplace. I'm sure lots of people are finding that to be the case now. I mean, without suggesting a, a union, but, you know, skilled workers in other manual labor areas or an architect or things like that. Right. There are organizations that exist that give you certifications for that. But are we just beyond where that model can work because the speed at which technology changes? I, I don't know. But something like that is appealing to me. Like, you know, I'll start the Carpenters Union for, but for developers. Yeah. No, I, lo I love a good union. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that that would be 
uh, a very good way to go about it. I mean, there's a lot of uh, foundations that have certification programs, which um, tend to be very exacting. They're very difficult to pass. So I'm thinking of like the certified uh, Kubernetes administrator that the CNCF administers. I mean, so, you know, there's a lot of ways to kind of get around the vendor portion of this. However, they they're, again, they're not cheap and hiring managers look askance at all certifications. In my mm-hmm. experience, they're not just not interested in them. I mean, there's some more established developers who don't even list certifications on their resume. Like they're almost embarrassed by them. Yeah, we're not helping ourselves. I think that's mm-hmm. part of the problem too then, yeah. right? Like maybe it'll come to sort of some sort of influx at some point with kind of the reset in the hiring and, and jobs and salary markets, right? Yeah. Like maybe that will for it. Like, oh yeah, I don't okay. care, I don't care because it's working out and for the last five, 10 years, I can kind of call my own shots and bounce around and, and get more money and more titles and, you know, drive the ship. And I really feel like there's been a massive shift in that with all of these layoffs and and just a, an incredible available workforce. Yeah, so well, I, the I, pandemic completely rewrote how we do education. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, right. everything's remote now. A lot of the folks that I've spoken with who run these certification programs explained to me that they were kind of moving slowly towards remote testing. But when the pandemic hit, they all fast-tracked that initiative. And so now there's very few certifications that don't offer a remote test, either through, you know, partnering with like Pearson View, who can par- uh, proctor that exam, or just by, you know, creating so much more material. And so like a big trend that we're seeing now is this move towards subscription model learning. So, in, you know, this is like SaaS, SaaS trading, right? So instead of just paying for like, you know, one course, one exam, a lot of companies are moving towards like wanting employers to actually pay for the subscription model so that you can continuously access learning materials because learning is just supposed to happen all of the time. And so if we look at like the history of certifications and training in general, it's really problematic because a lot of training used to be paid for through like apprentice models and the unions actually, uh, again, but now it's supposed to be um, sort of employer uh, led. So then we hear about like employers offering like $1,000 a year for their um, developers to like go to conferences to, you know, keep up on new innovations or to, you know, pay for training, pay, pay for these certification exams. But what I'm hearing more is that developers are expected to train and upskill themselves on their own time. So if you can't be contributing to open source projects on the weekends because you've got kids, sorry, you know, <laughs> we got a backlog, right? You know, you, there's no time for you to be learning new languages, making sure that when React finally dies, that you, you know, the, the newest framework, um, you know, but, but it's, it's really interesting because I think it, it kind of, that's what Silicon Valley has been moving us towards all along, right? Is this, this idea that, you know, you got to pull your stuff up from your bootstraps. You got chaos monkeys, right? This is, we, we got to just code this out quickly and, and, you know, put less investment into QA and just hope for the best, right? You know, now things are, the pendulum is swinging back a little bit. You know, we're moving more towards making sure that we have documentation and that the DevOps movement has, has kind of made sure that things don't move quite, quite as fast as, as the sort of stereotype that we see on Silicon Valley. But there is still this idea, I think, this, um, that you know, a, a lot of the sort of more controversial lights in Silicon Valley have have promoted that education is no good, that schooling is is uh, you know not going to to get you the skills that you need, and that you should be self trained, which I, I think is really problematic because learning is all about community, right? You, yeah. you, one must learn in a community setting. That's why I got an internship. I wanted mentors. Yeah, and that yeah. and that's the way you seek to learn. And I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of different ways to learn and having more options is better than less. And so whatever model that Silicon Valley had been forcing into or encouraging or whatever throughout that, I, th- I think it's uh, 
it's one of the possible ways, but I wonder if that'll start to be less of an influence with less VC money being tossed around. Oh, I don't know. The Peter Thiel uh, fund, you know, for, for getting kids to, to not go to college. I mean, mm. that's such a such a yeah. sort of noteworthy instance of, uh, you know, denigrating the value of, of accredited uh, education. Yeah. Even if you aren't learning something you're using at college, you're learning to learn and learning how to like, you know, iterate on processes and, and different things. So it's like, it's still valuable whether what you learn is applicable to your job or not. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that people saying that there's no value are, are definitely wrong. We need to get some more like HTML, CSS, JavaScript stuff into college curriculum. Like I have a CS degree and I had one class that did like a little bit of web stuff and that was yeah. it. And it was yeah. like, yeah, you can figure it out later. And it's like, well, yes, it is like technically, you know, from a, engineering perspective easier or whatever because it's like uh -huh. not as algorithm heavy or whatever like but it's a totally different skill set so you still need to teach it or we will have to learn it on our own so right. yeah. yeah yeah and they they think well our time's not well spent here you can figure this out go read right. additional yeah, right. documentation on your own time i mean my i have a spicy take because i think that i i don't think that college is useless but i think that the idea of go to college and be successful and make good money is fading away. I think that like that whole, just go get a degree. It doesn't matter. Go spend some time there, prove you can finish something. And the world is your oyster is not necessarily a thing anymore. And I hope there's a course correction around that because otherwise I feel like at some point in the far future, when my children are at that age, that they're looking at college, it's going to be like, well, what do you want to do with your life? You need to have some idea about that because this may not be the best course of action, or at least at this point. If you're like, I don't know, I'd almost rather you like go get a job and think about it a little bit and see how life kind of sucks and maybe pushes you into your interest or go do an internship on something or whatever. Like it just doesn't feel like it's the automatic choice that it was. Mm -hmm. No, I agree with you entirely. When I was teaching for a decade, I, I talked to a lot of freshmen because a lot of times I, I taught the, the sort of uh, beginning uh, communication courses, like the English 101 courses. Um, and I, I tended to teach at engineering school. So I taught at Carnegie Mellon and I taught at Georgia Tech. And so I've seen this sort of disillusionment with having to learn you know, uh, how to write uh, well, you know, being forced to take a literature course, being forced to have some sort of social sciences. And, and so I've, I've seen that that sort of frustration. But then when I later learned that, you know, folks are graduating with their CS degrees and not having the skills they need, or that, you know, front end is not even taught. Like, I believe that that was the case at Georgia Tech when I was there. I believe I, re I remember speaking to some students about like, so, you know, where, you know, where do you learn JavaScript? And I, I, I'm remembering that that wasn't even really taught in like a specific way, like there were clubs and things, but I, I yeah, definitely, I would have to check on that. But I, I know for a fact it wasn't a focus. There does seem to be a, a disconnect between the skills that are taught and the ones that are, you know, reflective of the marketplace, but also, you know, that are just, I guess, kind of uh, resonate with what the students are interested in, in terms of, you know, I mean, I have often argued that the front end is where all the innovation is happening. So, if, you know, if universities still think that they're the, the place where, you know, people can be their most creative and explore things like, well, then we should be doing more with front end. I mean, this is this seems ridiculous. I mean, this is the uh, I don't know. I, but I, I often get into that fight, which I, I, I hope I'm in good company with uh, <laughs> for sure, defending because, the front end. Because, you know, a lot of folks are are 
visual and we have short attention spans now and things of that nature and web applications and working within a front end where you can make you can do something and see it right away and see like the fruits of what you've worked on that's encouraging i think for a lot of people so like giving mm -hmm. them that right away and giving them some wins like with some you know basic html css here's a form Oh, and now you want to do some cool things. Now you want to process yeah. that information in cool ways. Oh, now let's go down the CS path. But like yeah. starting with logic and algorithms and very like terse, difficult things, it's sort of like you basically gave someone physics for their first science class or something, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it just feels like people having gratification, which is what we're seeing in the world. Like people are getting so used to gratification, giving them some of that encourage mm -hmm. that like let's get a spark going here i know my favorite exercise for speaking to folks who are consider themselves non-technical um so I, I, in the past it, that has included a lot of marketing folks who consider developers to all be wizards you know they don't <laughs> really understand is that all you got to do is like open up the inspector and like change some of the text on a web page mm. and they are like what did you just do or like change your color <laughs> and they're like yeah. oh my god <laughs> I, I don't know if, if you're not starting there uh i'm you know I got no advice. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that that's uh, probably a more natural way. But maybe there's like a, a sort of generational difference there. I mean, I guess, um, you know, folks are coming to technology in different ways. And yeah, I mean, I have small children too. And I, I'm terrified about like what, how they're going to learn about technology through smartphones. I mean, I feel like we should all be, first you got to build the PC and then we're going to, you know, <laughs> get, no, not going to happen. They're going to, they're playing with the iPad. It's, it's all, I lost them already. It's over. It's, oh yeah. It's we're done. down that path. Like my son got, uh, I, he just turned seven uh, a week ago. Yep. I'm a terrible yeah. parent. He got his own switch, his own Nintendo switch. You know, oh, I was very wow. concerned there about video games and, you know, I I grew up in a generation of video games, though, and I feel like there was a lot of pluses around that. And what else are you yeah. going to do on a rainy day? They watch TV. They play games. I don't know. Like, yeah. yes, we wanted them but to read. But when you and... opened SimCity 2000, you had to do it through DOS. So that's the right. difference. Yeah. yeah. You could have gotten him a Super Nintendo. <laughs> yeah. I should just, well, okay. So we have this thing. It's an open source. It's called a recall box. And you can put a bunch of like retro game ROMs on it and you can play a bunch of systems. So I can, he can play the 2600, he can play the regular NES, he can play Super Nintendo. We've actually gone down some of that path to introduce him to Mario in that way first. And then sort of get him, you know, seven is like 27 in my year. So he can all, he can do all the things. For sure. Um, my kids aren't that old, so I'm not, I'm not quite there yet, but yeah, the, uh, it's coming up. Yeah. Yeah. I've got four and seven. And so four, she doesn't get the Switch yes. yet. She get, does have an iPad. She has some learning apps on there. We can control a lot more of the iPad, which I kind of like that too. But yeah. Okay. I've got a four and a, a 22 month. So uh, right. yeah, it's, I don't know. We're, we're, we're working our way there. But like today, uh, my four-year-old just spent a lot of time digging in the dirt. Mm. I feel like that's probably nice. better, that's great. better than... I love that too. <laughs> it's like 94 degrees yeah. here in Atlanta too. I'm like, we're just Ooh. melting out there. It's I mean, like it a is a cloud of mosquitoes. Uh, it's called it, Hot Atlanta for a reason. I know. So that so you know, I met you both at Render ATL. Do you attend every year? That was my first one. No, that's our first. That was well. our first one too. Yeah. Oh wow. What was your but, major takeaway? The coolest thing you've ever seen? It it was fun. I enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah. I liked kind of our setup. The initial setup, so we just, they hadn't really done what we were doing before. Mm -hmm. We hadn't really done it. We didn't have a full understanding. We knew it was just going to be huge. 
so it's a very much like this cultural conference with a sprinkle of tech and folks in tech and encouraged yeah. to sort of like choose your own adventure. So I thought that was interesting. Randomly setting up shop in like a media room and trying to record podcasts and, and or end up getting like 10% of the conference drunk uh, on free booze yeah, that we sure. brought in without permission. That was right. also kind of fun. So Nobody complained. Yeah, it turns out not even, uh, well, I probably shouldn't rat out anyone involved with the conference, but folks uh, yeah. involved knew what was going on and it was okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The My only- biggest complaint was uh, that they put Kelly Vaughn, Sarah Drasner, and like, I forget who the third one was, like three people that you would want to go listen to all at the For same sure. time slot. Right. And I was yeah. like, okay, I don't, I don't like that. Like, I feel like the logistics were needed a little work but i think overall mm-hmm. like it's a huge conference and it's hard to manage and i i think it's a very cool conference and i'm excited to see how it evolves over time and we'll probably yeah. go back but yeah yeah i would definitely go back no doubt about that and yeah logistically with all those tracks and also i guess one of the things was like you're usually used to like kind of a big name closer but then like right. that closer comes on at five like in the instance of chris coyer oh i want to mm-hmm. see chris's talk go right. and see and i don't think it was well as well attended as they would have liked because they kicked off after events and then like folks wanted to get into those events too so they're kind of limited yes. so a lot of people just went to go and like stand in line early and try and do some of the closing out events and so there mm-hmm. was some like overlap and conflict with that again like i'm I'm just kind of used to like i go to a conference i want to see some talks and then i'm going to do the events and some of that overlap but yeah. yeah, I mean, again, it's it's huge. It was uh, it was definitely cool. A lot of cool things happening all at once, though. Yeah, yeah. The blame was a good beer town, though. I know we're on a whiskey podcast. I should keep yeah. my beer opinions to myself, but um, I don't know <laughs> if you got to try any of the local beers here. But mm-hmm. you know, we got it's a, it's a good place to come visit for for here's drinking the, in general. Here's the thing, Kate. As I'm getting here's older, and yeah. uh, my stomach just doesn't love beer anymore. I don't gotcha. know what it is specifically, and so I gotcha. just kind of shy off of the beer. Not because I dis- dislike beer, it just mm-hmm. dislikes me. It doesn't and, like you. Yeah, yeah sure. so I had some good food there, for sure. I'm always a food person, so, oh. which... What did, you, uh, what did you have? Like, barbecue? Did you say on brand? Uh, so we did have Gus's Fried Chicken one time. Okay. Uh, I believe some barbecue. We went to some, like hidden bar that was you to go through like a phone booth and they had some yeah, cool red phone booth yeah red phone booth that place was cool um oh. yeah there's like a like speakeasy yeah. thing it's like you have to know the code or show oh, up early that? enough to where someone feels sorry yeah. for you and let you in and then they have an excellent wh- whiskey selection some good like um like bars like nicer bar snacks and food too so that was good right. I think we had arancini there, didn't we, or something like that? I don't know. I know we had pizza and maybe something of that ilk. Yes, we, we did yeah. have both of those things. Um, and then I went to, actually, speaking of Kelly Vaughn, I went with her and her husband and a couple other folks to a place. It was like a historic house that was changed over, and they had like a trout thing, and they make their own mac and cheese, and there's like all these fancy mac and cheeses. And No? Okay. I don't remember what it was called. I can tell you later offline. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that either. I do some of the stereotypes, but you know, I've had a lot of Southern food in my life too, though. So, right. you know, I'm right. trying to collect both of those things. We should let the other listener, though, because I think we didn't, we haven't talked about this online. You, we are both from Cincinnati area. Absolutely. And yeah. I need the public to know this like Gold Star or Skyline Chili. <laughs> well, I'm Skyline. My family's always been Skyline. But. As I mentioned, I don't eat red meat, so I don't yeah. actually eat the chili. Yeah. I've had no, I, I have no dog in that fight. I do not care. 
What I do love at Skyline, though, is the mound of cheese that mm-hmm. they put on my beans and rice. And I, I, I get it every time. So I get like a mound of cheese, a mound of raw onions. You know, we all smell great. And, uh, you know, <laughs> and that to me is a, a very good dinner. So, yeah, I feel like one of them did a vegan version. Maybe it's, it's recent. Possible. I don't know. Yeah. I've I mean, I, I didn't go down that path, but like I, yeah. I remember like Skyline started releasing burritos and some other yes. stuff. Gold Star does mm-hmm. fries and stuff now, too. Okay. They actually do a burger, and then they put chili on top. And then I think, I feel like one oh. of the two has a vegan version, so. Yeah, yeah, possible. I don't know. I like the beans and rice. What, so where are you? Are you Gold Star? I'm Gold Star, yes. Interesting. So, funny Last thing. Week. Yeah, well, it's a funny thing. So, growing up, or when I was really young, my mom worked at Gold Star, so I had lots of Gold Star, and just kind of, that was my thing. But my aunt... All right. Yeah, worked at and you know what good for her i guess whatever she just celebrated her 50 years at skyline and wow. they they in covington it was like this old location they're keeping open all this stuff and uh the city of covington made her 50th work anniversary wilma day because her name is wilma because of course it is wow <laughs> local celebrities That's yeah exciting. yeah i yeah. am related yeah. to 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 wilma day to Wilma of Wilma fa- of Wilma of Skyline fame, yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, Did, it's worth noting that every Skyline has a steamed up window, <laughs> especially the older ones. So um, I gotta know, like, is this a real steamed up uh, Skyline? And the hot dogs be boiled? It, it has to, be. yeah, okay, yeah, because hot dogs mm-hmm. are already cooked. What's wrong with boiled hot dogs? I have this debate with my wife Nothing. all the time because I heat up the kids' hot dogs by boiling them. <laughs> She's like, that's disgusting. What's and wrong I'm with like, that? They don't want burn marks from a pan, <laughs> and this is how you do it. How do you think you get hot dog flavored water? I mean, yeah. not from frying pans. So right. yes, uh, hers probably does. I mean, it's been remodeled a couple of times, but it's been there yeah. as far as I can remember my whole life. If she's been there fifty years, and it's this same like Covington Riverfront, it's next to a place that used to be called, or maybe it still is called Riverfront Pizza, and it's been there like forever. And you go to the bars in Covington and Main Strauss area, and then mm-hmm. you know you can go to that or the Gold Star if you if you like flavor. <laughs> <laughs> I like the mound of cheese. Does Gold Star do the mound of cheese? Yeah, too? absolutely. Everybody okay. does, even Dixie, okay. all of them. Oh yeah, I know that's worth noting too. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know what's interesting when I uh, uh, was painting murals, I did one uh, behind the Mount Washington chili, so that was uh, the OG. You know. Yeah. Actually, wait, I think I'm saying that wrong. Camp Washington. Camp Washington. Thank you. I know. I was like, that doesn't sound yeah. right at all. Yeah, because the mural is called Campy Washington. Yeah. Oh, God. I haven't lived there in so long. It's embarrassing. I know. I still talk about Cincinnati like I know all about it. But I go there, and it's like over the Rhines can be completely redone. I'm like, where am I? Yeah, you, don't, you don't get stabbed or buy drugs there anymore. <laughs> <No>. It's weird. <laughs> I know. I'm like totally yeah. lost. Like, there's all these cool places now, and everything's super expensive, and there's no parking down there. I'm like, well, that's, that's yeah. just go back to atlanta where things make sense again that's fair all right well we are at time here is there anything you want to plug before we end no i guess you know if you're interested in uh what trends we're following at red monk we've got a blog we got to do a bunch of videos and then you know if you want to follow me on social media feel free i'm not you know i don't pretend to be it uh an influencer but um uh you know kate holterhoff (laughs) is on my handle on mastodon blue sky x and uh, linkedin all right cool thanks everyone for listening if you liked it please subscribe leave us some ratings and reviews we appreciate it and we will catch you next time boom 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 boom